At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. The numbers told the story, they always do. This is a numbers game with Gil Alexander on VSEN. It's one of those idiots who believe in analytics. Oh, it's the real stuff. Happy Tuesday to you. Good Tuesday morning to you. It is a numbers game at Visa, the sports betting network. Visa.com, the Visa app, Fubo, Sling, Game Plus, iHeartRadio, YouTube TV. It's all brought to you by BetMGM Nevada, Gil Alexander, and of course, Jeff Parlay on the show today. Uh, we'll talk basketball with Drew Dinsick momentarily, NFL draft with him as well. Uh, Mark Borchard here to talk baseball with us. Dan Bespris on the NBA. Who else we got? Paul Carr on the Premier League. Oh, my goodness. We are jam-packed today. I'm sure I forgot somebody else, too. Uh, we're jam-packed. Oh, I want to say some stuff about the Defensive Player of the Year award and how people are uh, all uh, upset about that. First of all, did you know Jeff We'll get to that later. I'm not going to do it now. But did you even know that Defensive Player of the Year was going to be announced yesterday? I, I was caught very much off guard. Me too. Because I had no I, clue. All I saw, I saw the tweet because I wasn't watching. I wasn't watching the pregame show when they uh, had the glove give the award to Marcus Smart. But saw the tweet and was like, "Oh, that's yeah. nice that we're giving out awards this early it's, again." It's the opposite of baseball, where we're literally to find out that I lost my 100 to one on Juan Soto. I had to wait till Thanksgiving, basically. To find that out. Well, you had to wait until they announced that Mike Schmidt was giving out the award. Yeah, that's true. And then I knew the writing was on the wall. Let's talk about the NBA. And first, let's talk about the Golden State Warriors last night, who I, I tweeted this again. I've said this on this show maybe a hundred times. It's the most beautiful thing in sports, the Golden State Warriors, when they're on. And we're getting a glimpse of how it used to be with whatever you want to call it now, the death lineup or the G3 lineup. Drew Densick joins us now from NBC Sports, Bet the Edge, and of course, the Deep Dive Podcast, which he does with Sarah Perlman and with Andy Molitor, respectively. How you doing, Drew? Good morning to you, man. Uh, yeah, good morning to you guys. Doing doing well, and uh, it's you know it's one thing to watch the Warriors go nuclear. It's another thing when you have uh, you know you laid the games and you have a nice uh, uh, Warriors <laughs> minus two and a half games ticking in your pocket. Uh, I even got a little cute with the little Warriors four to one. That uh, now I'm going to be sweating. That are the Nuggets even going to win a game? Um, you know, it's it. I am trying not to overreact in positive nature to the Warriors because this Nuggets team outside of Nikola Jokic would be uh, probably a top three lottery team. You know, if they had had to play this full season without him, 
Um, and ultimately, they are not a good matchup for the Warriors. I think we even talked about this when we were previewing the playoffs a little bit. Um, this for a 3-6 matchup was about as bad as the Nuggets could have drawn because Draymond Green is um, probably the most unique defender in the NBA, and he perfectly matches up with, um, you know, kind of frustrating Jokic. Jokic is not shooting the three as often this season as he has in years past. That's really the only way that you can unlock him against a guy like Draymond Green. So um, this is probably going to be a pretty short series. And I think if I was going to bellyache in any way, shape or form, uh, the Bajelica minutes, I wouldn't mind seeing more Kaminga here. I think you need get to get Kaminga's feet wet. This is the perfect series to do it. Um, and, you know, I'm not sure ultimately that the Warriors need to uh, have Jelka in that uh, in that role as we continue through the uh, through the playoffs. But as you say, that would be just belly aching. That's right. You'd, yeah, be, you'd yeah. be searching for things. So I don't even yeah. need to ask my question of of without reinforcements, without Murray, without Porter Jr., uh, whether the Nuggets win a game or not, you see the the Warriors rolling here. What, let me let me just ask you about the other couple games from last night. The the Jazz and the Mavericks. So the Mavericks behind forty one from Jalen Brunson. Yes, where did that come from? Uh, the Mavericks now even up that series one to one. We don't know if Luca's coming back, and it's one of those injuries where a lot of smart people are like, yeah, I don't think he's coming back at all. Uh, but if I were to tell you, right, if I were to tell you, hey, he's coming back for game five, wouldn't you just throw the house on the Mavericks at this point? No, let him lose three and four. <laughs> wait, 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 just a minute. Um, no, but your point is fair. Uh, if Luca comes back, does that, you know, completely flip the fabric of the series and the likelihood that the Mavericks can ultimately come back and win the series? Yes, absolutely. Um, my... I, yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I, I've been in the, I've been in the, uh, kind of amateur, you know, doctor position and speculated that 16 days was as early as we would see Luca. If we saw him, that would be game five, Tuesday, the 26th, if he comes back. Um, but at the same time, if the series is one, three and the next two games are not competitive, I'm not sure what is gained by putting him in harm's way. Um, it's a very similar injury to the injury that led to Kevin Durant tearing his Achilles uh, in the finals in 2019. Um, he had the same kind of grade, you know, whatever calf sprain. Uh, and he took about a month off, came back and it was too early and tore his Achilles. And so I think that's a pretty important lesson learned. You don't, you, it's much, much, um, more important to have Luca available for a full 2022 campaign than it is to get this series win against the, a Utah Jazz team. Um, and as and it's disappointing because I would love to see him out there. You know, this would it would be a, a more compelling series. Surely, um, I thought yesterday's performance by the Jazz in the second half was embarrassing. I, that was. After winning game one the way that they did and holding on, uh, particularly at the end of that contest, I thought that the Jazz might have shaken some of their demons, but they pretty clearly have a mental thing going on in the fourth quarter where, um, you know, guys aren't you know rotating correctly defensively. They're giving up just absolute insane numbers of open looks from three. Uh, and, you know, for whatever it was worth, the Mavericks had guys who were burying those shots last night. And that was all it took to uh, overcome a jazz, you know, having a pretty comfortable lead in that uh, second half there. So that was a pretty disappointing performance by the jazz. And I guess tip your hat to the Mavericks role players for stepping up, uh, you know, after a hard fought loss in game one. 
Um, but uh, I'm not expecting to see Luka in game three and game four, and I would expect they come back to Dallas and the Jazz are up 3-1. Yeah, Jazz still have home court for what's the, for what that's worth. And then, of course, the Sixers house the Raptors again, though this time they do it uh, with the Raptors not having Scotty Barnes and being banged up elsewhere, illness also with Gary Trent Jr., um, but no Matisse Tybel now when they go back to Toronto, famously, for games three and four. Do you feel like a, a Sixers just destruction here, or do you feel like that changes the whole dynamic now and we shouldn't get too far ahead of ourselves? The Sixers did what they were just supposed to do. I can see the Raptors winning one of two in Toronto, even though this is quite a mismatch from a talent standpoint. The 76ers have pretty, like, by there is there, there is absolutely um, no matchup. Uh, for Joel Embiid on this Raptors team. The Raptors defense has been grossly exposed now two games in a row. Sixers with 112 points last night was really only because they completely took their foot off the throttle in the second half of that game. Um, If they had chosen to score 130 again, they could have. Um, And, you know, Thibault missing this, you know, missing road games in this series, I don't think really changes a ton. Um, The reality still exists that the Raptors best offensive player is Pascal Siakam. And he has been extremely passive in this series, in this matchup. I don't know if it is the way he is. Uh, being defended that is, you know, that is uh, kind of um, inducing that uh, and that if a home crowd and the energy of, uh, you know, playing, you know, in the uh, in the city of Toronto will help elevate him to where he gives you a solid offensive performance at home or not. Um, but Nick Nurse looks like he has perilously few pieces to work with to try to craft a solution to the mismatches of this series. And I think uh, ultimately the Sixers split in Toronto and, and probably close this out in five. Nick Nurse was very upset about the officiating. And in the end, uh, the Sixers had 30 free throw attempts and the Raptors had 12. Now, I get it. Some of that might be justified, but that's a little much, isn't it? Uh, if it were any other team besides the Sixers, I would say so. But that's the way they play basketball. <laughs> they they are deaf. That that is part of their DNA, as more so than the way the game is officiated. Um, you know, Harden is extremely, extremely talented at getting, um, you know, drawing contact when he drives. Uh, we know that, uh, you know, they, they tweak the rules to, you know, l- lessen his ability to get free throws around the perimeter. And that has made the game more watchable, more entertaining. And I'm glad they did that. Um, but he is still capable of generating contact and getting to the free throw line with uh, reckless abandon. Similarly, Joel Embiid, um, you know, they, again, they don't have a defensive matchup where they're going to stop him from getting two points. So they are being physical. They are fouling him. I don't think these are phantom calls. I don't think it's lost sided officiating at all the Sixers if you go throughout the balance of the season I think they probably on average have take about six more free throw attempts in their opponents um, and then in games like this where they're matched up against a team like the Raptors that don't have a you know a true center that can match up offensively against uh, you know defensively against Embiid that's going to be even more lopsided so uh, I, I get you know Nick Nurse is doing his best to affect an outcome in, at home where he gets a favorable whistle. Um, and if the refs just completely swallow the whistle and let them play through contact, then, uh, you know, you're going to, that that's maybe what concerns me more about this series and about the Sixers long-term. This has been a really, really, really physical two games. 
And these were two games that were not even that competitive. Um, if we have some close calls and this, the same physicality reigns in games three and four, um, you know, Embiid looks like he's taken some some damage already. Uh, his knee's not looking great. He had obviously he was you know favoring his arm at points in that second half of that game. Uh, similarly, uh, you know, you know th there are there are guys taking shots unnecessarily in this one. Um, you know, we know Scotty Barnes, of course, probably not coming back after what looked like an absolutely brutal foot injury. Um, so I think uh, you know the physicality that already exists could potentially get a little out of control if they do swallow, if they do swallow the whistle. Um, and, uh, you know, I think that could hurt the the Sixers uh, down, you know, down the road in the playoffs. Scotty Barnes thing changes everything for sure. Tonight is a triple header and I'll save the Timberwolves and the Grizzlies for after the break, but Hawks heat Pelican Suns game twos for both the one eights. We only have like 30 seconds here before the break. So I don't know if that you can give it full justice, but the heat are favored by seven and a half. The Suns are favored by nine and a half. Too many points in, in either. I'm not asking for you to pick an, out, an outright upset, but do you do you want the points in either of those games? Suns, I'm passing. I think that's exactly fair. Hawks, I'm happy to take those points. Uh, I think that was misleading box score in game one. Hawks came in after two hugely emotional games and a ton of travel and give you a letdown. Not surprising. Um, and, you know, if the Heat don't, if P.J. Tucker doesn't go four for four from three, I think that's a much closer game. So Hawks with the points is, is a play for me. All right. Sandwich game tonight. Timberwolves, Grizzlies. We'll get to that momentarily with the Grizzlies. Uh, now six and a half point favorites. They were seven yesterday. We're still throwing a seven. Um, I don't want to overreact to one game, but I'm about to overreact to one game. We'll find out what Drew, <laughs> what Drew thinks about it next. Right here on Numbers Game Advice of the Esports Betting. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. A numbers game with Gil Alexander on VSIN, the sports betting network. It is time to download Nevada's premier sports betting app, BetMGM Sports. BetMGM with all your favorite wagering options, along with in-game betting, boosted odds specials, and much more. Download the BetMGM app today. It won't take you but a few seconds. And then you stop by any MGM casino on the strip with your state-issued ID to open an account and start placing sports bets from anywhere in Nevada. Whatever your sport, whatever your betting style, you're going to love BetMGM state-of-the-art technology and fan-friendly specials every day of the week. Visit BetMGM for terms and conditions. Must be 21 or older and physically located in Nevada. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800- 522-4700. We do have a couple tennis picks coming up later. One for today, one as it turns out for tomorrow as they're playing four tournaments, two on the men's side, two on the ladies' side. Yesterday, we gave out two picks, one of which, the first one yesterday, the big dog yesterday, uh, we ended up getting bageled in both sets. I have no clue whatsoever what happened to that. That literally never happens. So I have no idea. You can't even get upset you, get, you, you got beat so badly. Second one, by the way, 
the 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 young lady we we bet on won, but she played someone else completely different. So that ends up being a void, no match whatsoever. We had uh, Serana Cerstea. She ended up with a different opponent. So we end up 0-1 yesterday. We will have a play. Well, why don't we just give them out here real quick? Um, we'll, we'll, no, we'll give them out next segment because we, we have to – one already started. So we, we have two picks, one coming up today, one coming up tomorrow, as it turns out, that coming up next segment. Drew, I don't know if you're betting any global tennis right now, four clay tournaments going on at the same time and about a bajillion matches to bet on. Yeah, there are a lot, and I, I'm paying most close attention to Barcelona. The conditions here and the players who are in this field are super important in terms of understanding how the uh, you know the French Open is going to play out. So that's the one with the most uh, the most interest to me. You know, the the women's tournaments, obviously, you know. They're they're good, entertaining tournaments. Excited to see what Eagle looks like on uh, uh, on the indoor clay in Stuttgart. But um, you know, ultimately, Barcelona is where the action is at for me. Got a little live action on uh, on my guy Pedro Martinez. Uh, I think he's quite a lot better than Ivashka and Ivashka. You know, playing hard through one set, but I think uh, quality wins out on that one. Yeah, Dominic Team showed up today. No surprise, perhaps that he lost a, uh, a three setter. John <laughs> showed up. Showed up. Yeah, yes, right. showed up today. John Millman with the uh, the better fitness. All right, so today the, the sandwich game, the T-Wolves and the Grizzlies, and I went to break saying, hey, look, I don't want to overreact to one game, but I'm about to overreact to one game. Uh, the T-Wolves, I, T-Wolves were catching seven. Still, you can find them catching seven after winning game one. And I get it, Grizzlies, number two seed in the Western Conference, great year, but they were great without Ja, too, right? They were 20 and four straight up without John Morant in the lineup. But you're giving me seven points again, and I am taking it because I don't think they have a match. You were talking about how the, how the Raptors don't have an answer for Embiid. I'm not so sure that the Grizzlies have an answer for Carl Anthony Towns. I'm also not sure, so sure that Anthony Edwards isn't the best player on the court. So I'll take the seven. I don't know how you feel about this game tonight. Yeah, uh, I would lean the points as well. Uh, market's already on the move a little bit here, down to six and a half at some places. And I think that's the correct direction. Um, it's pretty obvious that, that and, and you know, I say pretty obvious, it was, it was noted pretty widely before this series started that Minnesota was a bad draw for Memphis. As good as Memphis is, the pieces just don't fit great um, to really defend well against this team. And as you saw, Minnesota was, you know, running amok offensively in that first game. Uh, and I don't think realistically there's a lot Memphis can do on in the short term to fix that. Now, there are some aggressive moves that they could make. Um, if you take Steven Adams, for instance, out of your starting lineup, then uh, number one, I'm immediately uh, excited about the uh, way you match up early in game against Minnesota. Um, Adams does not really have a role in this series, in my opinion. The, some of his limitations, particularly against a guy like Cat, are like just nakedly obvious. Uh, and I don't, you know, but. Jenkins, this is his first rodeo. This is his first time kind of going through and figuring out what, um, you know, what tweaks he needs to make to this lineup and to his rotations. And I think it's going to take him a few games to figure it out. So um, if Minnesota, if the balance of power right now is in Minnesota's court, I think it continues in that direction, at least through game two. And I could see Minnesota stealing a second one in Memphis. Now I still expect this to be a long series. I think Memphis is still, um, you know, the more talented team, but if Anthony Edwards is truly taking a leap in terms of his progression, if he is, you know, the kind of player who is going to show up and play this way and every 
playoff game he plays that we've only seen two so far. Um, but uh, him continuing with this form, uh, number one, it's a great story for the NBA. You know, it would be awesome for the, you know, just the region of Minnesota to have a player of that quality uh, and a perennial playoff threat. Um, but it certainly would uh, tilt the balance of the series in favor of Timberwolves pretty substantially if your best, if the best player of, in this series is uh, Anthony Edwards. All right, let's talk NFL Draft. Drew, excited to have you on the NFL Draft podcast, the Beating the Book podcast, coming this Monday, which uh, hopefully Matt Brown can join us for as well. We will do that this coming Monday. But right now, I've, I've only got six bets. Maybe only is not the right word. Some people might have fewer. Some people might have a lot more. Um, but the one thing here for sure that I have said, you know, very openly is while winning on the NFL draft, really, I think every year since we've been here and sometimes really dramatically winning on them, most times winning dramatically on them. I don't know about this one, Drew, like this one is really confusing to me. Eight teams with two picks, a quarter of the league. Um, so that's going to create perhaps some shenanigans, either trade wise, or just even if they hold those picks, who do they end up picking first among the two? Uh, so that's a little bit of a quirky thing. We're kind of getting some interesting news at the top of the draft now. Maybe it won't be Aiden Hutchinson. Maybe it will. And so the only thing that I've latched onto, and I use this again as my North Star, is the Daniel Jeremiah tweet of, you know what? Look at all these contracts being given out to, to wide receivers, middling wide receivers, I'm paraphrasing now, in this league. Having control of quarterbacks and wideouts on rookie deals has never been more important. And so I'm using that to guide most of my plays. How do you feel about this? How many picks do you have? How many bets rather? What do you like best so far? So macro sense, I get, I understand your point about the wide receivers and I agree. Um, if you read the kind of the, the results of last year's playoffs and in general, the way that the playoffs play out broadly influences the way teams approach team building the next season. Um, last season's playoffs felt like you need to have multiple threats at the wide receiver position if you expect to win in the playoffs. And so the idea that teams are going to load up on wide receivers, particularly at the end of round one, beginning of round two, I think is pretty likely. Um, this wide receiver class is not as good as the last two seasons worth of wide receivers that have come through, but that does not change people's uh, kind of general philosophy for, well, we need to get some guys. Um, and so, yes, yeah, certainly would expect that after pick, say, tick, pick 10 to pick 40, you're going to have probably eight wide receivers taken. That's that's realistic. Um, however, I'm not 100 percent sure how many of those are at the end of round one versus the beginning of round two. And so I don't know that there's a hugely uh, off price on the over under wide receivers market. Um, your other point of this is a high uncertainty draft is extremely correct. Uh, I don't, I think you have to probably go back to the draft where the chiefs took Eric Fisher, number one, overall to find another draft where there was less certainty of who the first overall pick was going to be um, credible reports that there's widespread disagreement within the, you know, within the franchise uh, for Jacksonville of, you know, different decision makers, different opinion holders in terms of what position to draft, let alone what player. Um, I think you have, uh, you know, at the end of the day, the, the strongest voice in the room is probably Trent Balky. We can argue whether that ought to be the case, but it is what it is. Um, and, you know, he, for whatever reason, has been somewhat transparent that he thinks Trayvon Walker has the highest ceiling and he wants Walker. 
Uh, I think the market moves you've seen in the last, um, you know, basically the last seven days, Walker coming down from about plus 350 to plus 200 is because people are putting that together and the owner hasn't come out in support of anyone. Um, you saw a lot of draft Nick buzz yesterday that was like, felt like it was a little carrying a little bit of water for Walker to go number one overall, mm-hmm. like a little bit of, uh, you know, everybody kind of chipping in with the, yeah, I think, uh, yeah, he does have a super high ceiling. It wouldn't be crazy to see him go number one overall. There's like, so that, much of that now. So yeah, much that, of that. That felt a little convenient for the Jags that there was all that national reporting supporting what would have been, you know, what would be that decision. Um, I have a pretty decent position at plus 350. I'm not loving it at two to one. Uh, Walker, there are, and there are still lots of things that could change this. Um, but it starts to make the top of the draft easier to, to figure out because if Hutchinson's available at number two, the Lions are, you know, fr- practically as close to a guarantee to take him number two as any pick in the top 10. Right. Um, and then the three, you know, is, is wide open uh, for the Houston Texans because they have needs everywhere. They need, you know, they, they seem like a team that is going to try to build in the trenches in round one of this draft. I think they probably have, uh, a guy like Jordan Davis circled in the 13 spot. I think they probably would like to add an offensive lineman in the three spot. So a guy like uh, Icky or Neil entirely possible to go three, uh, which leaves the jets as sort of the key team to evaluate. If you're trying to come up with how does this top 10 shake out because they have pick four and pick 10. Now the jets want a wide receiver. The jets want a pass rusher. Those are the two positions I would expect them to fill. The question is, do they go wide receiver four or do they wait for 10? And then if you can figure that out, you basically can unlock the top 10 <laughs> from every which way. Wow. That's a lot to unlock. Real quick, five seconds. What's the bet you have right now that you like the best? Uh, I don't really like anything. There you go. <laughs> That's where we anything. stand. That's very honest. That's where we stand. Thank you, Drew. Appreciate it, man. Hey, best of luck, guys. Coming back. Tennis picks next. A numbers game with Gil Alexander on VSIN, the sports betting network. Back on a numbers game, just like the great Brent Musburger said, it's Gil Alexander. Jeff Parlay here as well. Still to come, Mark Borchard on Major League Baseball. Also going to hear from uh, Paul Carr. We got Prem League games this week, during the week. Uh, so Paul Carr, who has won now seven straight weekends in England, going to try some midweek Premier League action. By the way, he's living right this past week. He had two goals in the 95th minute in uh, two different games. So Paul Carr getting it done. We'll talk to him momentarily uh, on the show. Uh, I do want to say this. First of all, tennis pick. Let's get the tennis picks out before we talk about the other stuff. Uh, one, Taro Daniel taking uh, the Japanese player. This is in uh, this is in Belgrade, Serbia. Taro Daniel taking on the Serbian, uh, Dusan Lajovic. I'm taking Taro Daniel at minus 108 today. That should start here within the half hour, at least. We hope it starts in the last half hour. You know how tennis tournaments go. So uh, Daniel at minus 108. And then a match tomorrow, as it turns out, this is tomorrow. This one is in, uh, I believe this is in Istanbul in Turkey. Uh, we're taking uh, Kyung Wang, the Chinese player, uh, plus 137 over Sarah Saribis Tormo. Like the value on Wang at plus 137. So Daniel minus 108 today over Lajovic. And Wang tomorrow at plus 137 over Saribis Tormo. Those are the uh, pre-flop matches. And again, yesterday's one was voided because our girl Serrano Sterstea ended up playing somebody else. Uh, I believe it was Sasnovich pulled out, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and so she ended up playing Rakimova. We don't get the uh, victory there. And again, our, our big dog yesterday couldn't even get a game 
in a very curious performance. So Daniel and Kyung Wong, your picks for today and tomorrow. It's very difficult with the uh, the time difference to time this out properly on a numbers game. Uh, on the run-up to Roland Garros, the clay court season. Uh, so yesterday they gave out, and it was very surprising, they gave out the NBA Defensive Player of the Year. It was surprising to me anyway. I didn't know that it was coming. And again, it's very much in contrast to Major League Baseball, where Major League Baseball did this whole thing after the World Series finished where you had to wait for weeks. They went week after week after week to get to finally to the MVP, which was barely before Thanksgiving. And basketball instead just goes ahead and, and puts them out when you're not paying attention here during the postseason. And so yesterday we had the first one, NBA Defensive Player of the Year. Now, Jeff, we were doing primetime action last night, me, Matt Brown, and Kelly Bidlin. And I my phone was blowing up on this. I'm on a, uh, a three-way text with a couple guys, and they were arguing just vehemently about the results of NBA Defensive Player of the Year, which was won famously now by Marcus Smart at the Boston Celtics. And I guess what I'm trying to get at here is, you know, when you when you bet on something as nebulous, as vague as something as Defensive Player of the Year, by the way, most improved player we'll get to momentarily, also very vague, right? But when you bet on something as hard to harness as Defensive Player of the Year, I don't know how outraged you can really get. Gil, aren't you outraged by your Juan Soto ticket from last year, 100 to 1? Yes, I am. But at least in that case, I can put some measurables on it that most people agree to. And the fact that Juan Soto is Barry, Lamar, uh, Barry Lamar's, you know, poor man's Barry Lamar Bonds, that was a whole other story. So, yes, you get, you get upset to a certain point about that. I don't know that you can with Defensive Player of the Year. And why I bring up this text exchange is because everybody was so adamant in their position. Like, everybody all of a sudden was an NBA individual and team defensive expert on this. Where one person is arguing, Marcus Smart was the best defensive player on the best defensive team in basketball. End of story. None of you know anything. That's kind of how this guy approaches everything. He knows everything, and nobody knows. And no, nobody else knows a thing. Well, I think some people would argue with the fact that Marcus Smart was absolutely the best defensive player on the best defensive team. Some people would say it was Robert Williams. So there's that. But if Marcus Smart won it, which he did, I don't think you can bitch about it either. The uh, the opposite side, right? People who are saying, "Oh my God, how could you? You know, how could you possibly give it to to Marcus Smart?" You, you should be able to give this to Jaron Jackson. For whatever reason, I still don't really get what the case was for Jaron Jackson. No one's thinking of the Memphis Grizzlies as a great defensive basketball team. Now, you could give it, here's the thing. You could give it to Giannis any year you wanted to. You could give it to Rudy Gobert any year you wanted to. But Rudy Gobert yesterday showed once again why maybe you can't. As soon as the other team goes small lineup, Rudy Gobert kind of just becomes this weird goaltender that's tending no particular thing. So that's an interesting quirk on him specifically. But it was the most, what did you say, Jeff? Five different people with 10 first place votes? Yeah, five different players had double digit first place votes, which I I can't remember any award really in any sport that has had something like that happens. Seven different guys got first place votes. Mikhail Bridges ends up second. Correct. Bridges was two. Gobert three. Bam four. 
Triple J, five, Giannis, six, and Robert Williams, the seventh guy to receive a first-place vote. So the ed, so there's a lot of smart people, no pun intended here, there's a lot of smart people that didn't think Marcus Smart should even be close to being the defensive player of the year. And a lot of the contention there was, well, if Robert Williams hadn't gotten hurt, none of this would have happened because Robert Williams getting hurt Voters, in a lazy fashion, then Swit just said, okay, well, we got to give it to the same team. We'll just give it to Marcus Smart. I don't know. First guard, the reason I bring up Giannis and Gobert is Gobert missed a lot of games, though, by the way, he's won it playing fewer games in the past, this award. So, again, nothing is standardized with any of this. Were some people just thinking, well, you can't give it to the two big men this year. We don't feel like giving it to either of the two big men. So we'll just give it to a guard for the first time in 27 years or 26 years, Gary Payton being the last guard to win defensive player of the year. So we'll just give it to Marcus Martin. Anyway, the point on all of this is I don't think – I think you have to be aware as a better that if you're betting into things like defensive player of the year, you don't – like your outrage can't be over the top. There's too many moving parts that you probably don't understand as a basketball fan with defense, individual, and team. It's too nebulous. By the way, most improved player, let me just bring that up also. That's another one that I think folks correctly, right, correctly, just in terms of logic, are like, how could you poss- How could John Morant possibly win most improved player? John Morant, second pick in the draft, number two CDD. He was good already. How can he win most improved player? He should have been an MVP candidate, if anything, not most improved player. And when you look around the league and you see Tyrese Maxey, and when you see Jordan Poole doing what they're doing, my God, has there ever been a more poster child of most improved than those two guys and what they're doing? I was watching, after. if you left inside the NBA on afterwards last night and you just left the TV run, they had this G League documentary on. Jordan Poole was like not even the featured G League players they were they – were, they were focusing on, and he was on the court. But getting back to the whole thing, like where your outrage about these things, where you bet on these things has to be muted, like with Defensive Player of the Year where there's too many moving parts, with Most Improved Player, if you go back and you look at the annals, if I could even use that word, of most improved of the Most Improved Player Award in the NBA, the MIP, as we like to call it, what you will see is a very surprising list of players. Players that were already really known and were already really known to be good, then sort of stepping up just a bit into a superstarish level. And so if you look at that, it's actually not as big a surprise that John Morant won this or is going to win this, we think, fait accompli, even though it makes no logical sense just from a literal standpoint of most improved. But that's how that award has always gone. So I guess what I'm saying is things like MVPs in baseball, there are like really like tangible measurables. When you get to the nebulous awards, I don't think you can go crazy about this stuff. And and Bam was super annoyed that he got snubbed. Everybody who bet on Jaron Jackson was super annoyed that he wasn't even a finalist, like Bam wasn't a finalist. And I just don't think you can. Do you bet into any of those things, Jeff? Most improved or no, defensive? No, I, I didn't have anything this year on that, Gil. I'm just looking through the list of most improved players right now. Uh, just to, to, to continue your point, really there was a, a switch in the 2010-2011 season to what you're saying. Because that was the year Kevin Love won the award. Then, other than the year of Ryan Anderson in 2011-2012, 
Paul George, Goran Dragic, Jimmy Butler, CJ McCollum, Giannis, Oladipo, Siakam, Ingram, Randall, we assume Ja. And even if it's not Ja, if, let's say, uh, Murray ends up winning the award, another guy who was an all-star this year. Mm-hmm. So you're going – that award is not the – Hey, this guy was nothing, and now he's a legitimately good player like Pooler Max. That's not how it's voted on. It, yeah. it just—it's voted in a way that's very different than how this award was vo- voted on in the 1990s. When you look at the guys who won this thing in the 90s, yeah. And and again, if you're voting into, if you're betting into these things, you just have to be aware of that. And I'm just saying that with the defensive thing. I've never like an hour of primetime action last night. And these texts, I I would, I would stop. I'd look at my phone. I'd turn away. I'd do the show. I'd look back at my phone. There'd be 20 more texts. These guys just going at each other. So adamant in their position about defensive player of the year. I'm sorry. How many years of the NBA level did you coach defense? I, I missed that. It's just, it's too vague. It's too vague to get all that, uh, up in arms about. We'll come back. Paul Carr's Premier League picks for this week, and he is on fire. We'll do that next right here on the Numbers Game at Visa, the Sports Betting Network. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Gil Alexander on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Numbers Game proudly brought to you by BetMGM Nevada. Do not forget uh, that you can discover BetMGM, the king of sports books, by signing up today and winning $200 if you place a $10 wager on any NBA playoff game and either team hits a three pointer. Regardless of your bet's outcome, it's that simple. Simply use bonus code VSIN200 when you place your first bet to take advantage of the offer. Enjoy the playoffs more than ever with BetMGM. Eligibility restrictions apply. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years of age or older to wager. New customer offer. All promotions subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Mississippi or Nevada. Skill Alexander, we get tweets at beating the book. Always appreciate the feedback. I tweeted that the Warriors were the most beautiful thing in sports last night. To which... Uh, Cannot, I don't know how to pronounce your uh, Twitter handle. Sorry about that. It says, uh, oh, no, that's the Cannot's is different. He says, Gil, coming to the win today for a couple of days. Suggestions? Yeah, enjoy every moment of it. The win and the encore, still the only uh, places on on uh, on the strip where I feel like I'm still on vacation. Just the most beautiful properties. Shout out to them. There are other beautiful properties, too. Basically live at the Aria. But win, enjoy. Enjoy the food as well. Uh, to my Warriors tweet, this is from uh, this is from uh, 
because I said it's the most beautiful thing in sports. This is from a, a person. Let's see. I want to get the right one here. Basically saying more beautiful than Iga's in, Iga in top form. Nothing's more beautiful than Iga in top form. That's from Ed Lane. Nothing more beautiful than that. I beg to do, I, I stand corrected. Uh, let's see. This is it. Ben McGovern. William Hill has started to offer in-season win totals for MLB already. Giants, or, Giants, for instance, already up to 88 and a half from 85. Would be curious if you see any value in overreactions after 10 games similar to your Broncos call in the NFL last year. Ben, I have not seen that. I will look today, and I will actually do that and talk about it tomorrow. That's awesome that William Hill's offering that already. Updated season win totals in Major League Baseball. Uncle Buck. I love telling my girl that she's beautiful as a 95th-minute goal. Speaking of 95th-minute goals, ladies and gentlemen, Paul Carr living right this past weekend with not one of those but two of those. How you doing, Paulie? Paul Carr, everybody. Doing very well. 95th-minute goals are always good when they help you out. Yeah. When they one, help. one of them was probably deserved over the course of the game. One maybe not, but yeah. they all cash the same. Paul Carr, everybody, from the Expected Value Podcast, of course, from uh, from True Media as well, True Media Sports. Let, let me... Let me ask you about uh, the Premier League in general before we get to your picks here. Sure. Maybe, uh, you know, we have how many games left? We got about, oh, seven, seven games left. Yeah. Some teams have eight, some teams have six, but yeah. seven at the top. If someone wants to jump in here and make a futures bet, what would you tell them? I mean, if you like, so Liverpool's one point behind City with seven games left. If you like Liverpool, I think now is probably the time to bet them. Uh, to be honest, I'm not betting them. I have a future on Liverpool at five to one from before the season, so I'm not doubling down on that or anything. Uh, but Liverpool plays Manchester United today, maybe their toughest remaining game or second toughest. Uh, City's next couple games are at Wolves and home to Brighton, uh, two of their tougher games. City has a much easier schedule on the whole. So. You, know, you always see wild swings when you get this few games left in these title races and the title odds. Uh, so if you like Liverpool, now's probably the time. Because if they make up ground on City, it's probably going to be in this next week. Anything can happen, of course. Uh, but if Liverpool falls another you know, three points behind and they're three, four points back, it's probably over. So now is probably the time to get Liverpool plus 200 is probably as good as you're going to get from a reasonable standpoint. Man City at 74 points, Liverpool with 73 points with those seven games remaining for both of them. And it really is a two, it's a two horse race at this point. Nobody yeah. else uh, really has a legit shot at the Premier League title. All right. So we have three plays. These are all midweek now. These are today and tomorrow. When are these? Yep. Yeah. This one, this first uh, Liverpool Manchester United is the big one. That's today. Yep. Okay. What do you got here? Oh, you're taking a big stand on this. I do. I like Liverpool a lot in this game. Uh, I'll lay the goal and a half. Uh, I played it at plus 105 yesterday. I think it's around minus 105 yes, or minus 105 now, and I'm okay with that. Uh, not a whole lot further, maybe minus 110 or so. Uh, Cristiano Ronaldo is not going to play in this game. Uh, Liverpool's, this is really short and sweet in some ways. Liverpool's good. Manchester United's not that good, uh, especially at home. Liverpool's won 10 to 15 home games by two plus goals. United's defense isn't good. They gave up two goals to Norwich, the worst team in the league over the weekend. And they won three, two only thanks to a Ronaldo hat trick. Uh, Liverpool, again, they've won 18 of 31 overall by two-plus goals. I mentioned 10 of 15 at home. And they beat United 5-0 at Old Trafford earlier this season. United's played City twice and Liverpool once this year and lost all three by a combined 11-1. to So this is, I just think the gap is here. If this were not the Manchester United brand name, if it were, I don't know, Brighton or someone who's not terribly worse this season, it would be much worse. In fact, you look at City against home against Brighton. Uh, the goal and a half line is minus 160 this week. So uh, that shows kind of the gap between 
Man United and Brighton in perception. I don't think it's quite there in reality. So I'll lay the goal and a half happily, anything close to even money here. All right, let's go to tomorrow. Tomorrow, Chelsea and Arsenal uh, take on each other. Chelsea is in third place. They're at 62 points, though. They're quite a bit back from Liverpool. Uh, Arsenal is in sixth place with 54 points. Arsenal still with designs on the top four of the Champions League. Chelsea in that group right now. Uh, You have a play on the total. I do. I, I was very happy just from a future standpoint. I have an Arsenal plus 150 to get in the top four. And mm. like three weeks ago, I was looking great because they were down around, I think, like minus 200 uh, at that point. And then Arsenal has really struggled lately. They've lost four of their last five. They haven't been terrible, but their attack hasn't been quite as crisp. The shots they're creating have not been as high quality over the last few games. So they're, they're kind of lapsing back into how they looked early in the season. Uh, Chelsea has really been mostly fine. I know they got knocked out of Champions League by Real Madrid, but they, they won in Madrid. So they're not struggling too much. The defense is still pretty good as long as they're not playing Kareem Benzema. Uh, so I think this is going to be low scoring. Arsenal's going to try and keep it close. And I think both teams are happy with a draw here. So I don't think there's going to be goals. I like under two and a half minus one thirty is what I played it at. All right. And then Everton and Leicester city, uh, Leicester city middling. They're in ninth place. They got 40 points this year uh, with uh, eight to play for them. Everton, not quite in relegation range, but if they don't, uh, if they're not careful, they might end up there. Yeah. They they drop. Just going to say they drop points at home here and they're, right back in the thick of things. Yeah. yeah. I have a future on them to get relegated. I think plus three thirty three. Wow. which is about where they're at now. It looked better a little while ago, uh, but they just haven't been good under Lampard. I mean, they've lost seven out of 10. It really could be worse looking at some of the underlying numbers. They were lucky to scrape out a win against Manchester United uh, a week or two ago. Uh, this is kind of my reflex play for the most of this season is Lester both teams to score in their away games. It's happened in 19 of their last 22 away games. I like it here at minus 135. Leicester just plays these high opportunity games, high quality chances, lots of chances. Uh, their defense is kind of banged up. They are playing in Europe still, and that's really more important to them. As you said, they're middling, so they're not going to get relegated. They're not going to get up into the top four race, anything like that. So, you know, they may play a little bit of a lesser lineup. It gives Everton a chance. I think both teams score here. It's a one-one kind of game. I'm not really sure, but uh, I like both teams to score regardless of what the outcome is. Everton three points clear of Burnley for that uh, relegation uh, position in 18th place. All right, so Liverpool given a goal and a half over Man U. That is today. Then Chelsea, yep. Arsenal under two and a half tomorrow. Everton, Leicester City, both teams to score uh, minus 135. I'll shop around for these numbers. Those are Paul Carr's Premier League picks. Seven weekends in a row in England where you have won. Are we? This is not a weekend. Yeah. But you're trying to right, extend. I know. So, so pushing the luck a little bit. Push, push in your luck. Or if you don't end up with a winner, you can still say weekends, right? You can just completely right. parse it down. Oh, Saturdays, you know, that kind of thing. Which, right. uh, yeah. yeah, it's going to work out either way for me. You just got to yeah. spin the semantics. So. Well, let's try to go eight in a row. How about we do that? Yeah. We, only have, we only have a couple minutes here left, actually 90 seconds. Uh, back to the World Cup for a second. For those who missed your initial thoughts on the World Cup, which is in November in Qatar, which <laughs> by our American football schedule is just the worst thing oh. ever. Uh, yeah. your, your thoughts again on that. You had one sort of interesting play. I remember on Canada that you wanted to share. Uh, let's say I had have Canada get out of the group. I think the price was, I can't remember what it was now. Tom, it was plus 200 or, or something around that range to get out uh, of the like group. To get out of the group. Yeah. yeah. They're, they're with Croatia and Belgium who are generally better than they are, but both aging in different ways. Uh, Canada's a young team. You hear, you hear a lot. It's a young man's tournament. Uh, so it's right in the middle of the season. So I think they're going to have the energy. I like Canada to get out of the group there. Yeah. 
Okay. And, and you have your defa- you have the, the traditional Paul Carr pick on Germany. <laughs> yeah, we played the Germany, uh, win the title bet before the draw, when I think plus 900, it's bumped up a little to like plus 1,000, plus 1,100 now because they're grouped with Spain, which is a little bit tough. But, you know, they should still get out of that group. Uh, people get all tied up in, oh, the knockout stage, their path is going to be more difficult. You know, you never know what's going to happen. I, I don't worry about that too much until maybe you get into the knockout stage and everything's set. So, yeah, it's still, you know, it's worth a flyer, I think, at that price because I think Germany, well, they do have a new coach. Uh, they've shown new energy the last six months or so, look good in qualifying for whatever that's worth. Uh, so, yeah, anytime you see Germany at like 10 to 1 or higher, it's it feels like uh, – it's almost a Pavlovian response to start salivating, like, oh, that looks great, without even looking at anything else that's going on. Felica just texted us, I'm going to be a huge Hammers fan in a couple of weeks. City still goes there. He's all about Liverpool, huh? Oh, yeah. Liverpool fan. I think he has Liverpool future as well. Yeah. yeah West Ham is probably, I think it's City's next to last game. It's away. Uh, that could be kind of Liverpool's last guess because City has Aston Villa, I think, at home the last week, which should be a relatively easy win. All right, Paul, we appreciate it as always, man. Let's go. Eight in a row. We're all counting on you. Let's go. Paul Carr, everybody. At Paul Carr, C-A-R-R on Twitter. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. 